why would you then pivot to another market? I think a lot of people want to hedge and diversify, but there's a lot of value in just 10xing what you've got going. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, excited to have Leslie and Morris. Leslie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing fantastic. A little bit about Leslie. She started her uh, journey, uh, her Smoky Mountain investing journey while living and working in Los Angeles. Leslie had been a commercial banker for over 20 years and wanted to begin building some uh, some real wealth. And uh, so closed on your first investment uh, investment cabin and uh, realized you made the right choice. And so the cabin was a big success with that cash flow. You, uh, you, you decided you're going to found a couple companies, two sister companies investing in the Smoky Mountains, which is a property acquisitions company. And then Josh's cabin, Josh's cabins management, uh, a property management company. So with that said, Leslie, there's a lot to talk about here, a lot to, uh, lot to dive into, but I want to get started. Uh, I want to just, just give us a little bit more background and then uh, what you're really focused and excited about today. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm from California. Hadn't, didn't have Tennessee on my radar ever, <laughs> um, but I was in banking. I was a commercial banker. I was an intentional banker. I went to school to be a banker hmm. and I loved it. I was really good at it. If there was an award, I won it. Um, but I kind of just got to a point when I was in Los Angeles, I kind of moved all over with, with us bank. But when I was in Los Angeles, particularly, I just kind of had something happen where I was seeing top income earners within the bank, like the CEO's salary. And I couldn't really see how I could climb all of, all of those rungs in the corporate world. So I had a lot of things happen really quickly when my mindset shifted um, based on seeing that data. And so the first thing I did was I um, applied to go back to school and I started a master's degree at the University of Southern California. Um, but as soon as I got accepted to that program and got to know some of the other um, students in the program, I was like, whoa, we're all kind of the same. We all have these big dreams. And out of that, I started investing in real estate. Um, but way before that, I was kind of already thinking about real estate. I just never felt like I was kind of ready. I never really felt like I was ready. Like I work yeah. with a lot of buyers today that have that same mindset of like, they never feel like they're ready. Um, so I just kind of took money out of a retirement account. And of course I paid tax on that because I shouldn't have taken it. And then I used that to start investing in real estate. And I quickly scaled a portfolio that today is like very heavily short-term rental based in the Smoky Mountains. I have 12 here um, and then two other properties and it's probably worth like $8 million. And I did that in probably three years, three and a half years. And then I quit my job and now I'm full-time in this real estate world. Love it. Love it. Yeah. What did you go, did you get, you were going to get your master's? Mm -hmm. What did what'd you go for? Um, I did an executive MBA, so Master's of Business Administration. It was okay. heavily focused on business creation. There's some entrepreneurial <clears throat> segments of it, but it was, you know, strategy, leadership, business admin. Did you end up finishing it? I did. 
I started it before COVID and then COVID hit and then I finished it on Zoom during COVID and then was able to fly back to walk across the stage like in the midst of everything like that was like May 21 was when I graduated. And were you buying these uh, vacation rentals during that time? Yes. That that's when your journey started is when you're still in the master's program. Yeah. So I was accepted um, into USC. Like, I think I applied in March and knew I'd been accepted pretty much right away, like April, May. And then I went under contract on the first cabin over the summer and closed on that, like right as we were starting the master's program. So I kind of like had that wheel rolling as I started learning. And that was a really big piece of the journey for me because they taught us so many things about running a business and creating businesses. Mm. Um, not just from the standpoint of being an entrepreneur, but also if you, if you are in the corporate world, um, because when I started it, I thought, Oh, this is going to help me climb the corporate ladder faster. That was my mindset on doing a master's. It's going to give me that title, that MBA title. And then I was wondering if you finished it because you're like, ah, that's not what I'm going to do anymore. (laughs) Well, I had already paid for it. So yeah, you're I, like, I gotta, <laughs> might as well get it. Well, yeah, it probably it helped. Really good. It was, it was really good because like, yeah. it took so much time and effort. Like the capstone project was absolutely grueling. We there was so much, you know, logistically it was it was hard to do on Zoom, but I did it. I was in the wrong time zone as everybody else, so that was interesting because I ended up moving over by, you know, I got to North Carolina via U.S. Bank before I got to Tennessee. There's way more to the story. Odd, there's way more. But um, so yeah, it was just, it was a crazy time, but it was good that I was doing it. There was so much time and effort put into that, that as soon as I finished it, all this time and effort, that, like I had a lot of free time. So then I built all these little companies and ended up leaving banking as a result. Love it, love it. And are you, so you're not in LA anymore. Are you in Tennessee now or mm-hmm. where the heck in the world are you? Yeah. So I had moved to Charlotte. Well, I was in Charlotte. Yeah. Um, because while I was working on the masters, I decided I started investing in real estate. I caught the bug. The cabin was performing awesome. I bought two right away. And then I decided to sell my property in LA, which I like bought it as a fixer upper. So I finished the project on it, sold it for a large gain, and then used that. I'm not kidding you. I used the profit from that property to buy three. Wow other properties in the South. Um, And so my mindset on that was, oh, if I can reduce my cost of living, I'm going to be able to buy properties faster. So I bought about five a year. 2021, I bought five. I think 2020, I bought five. 2021, I bought five. And then 2022, this last year, I exchanged out of some properties because at, at one point I was buying properties for Airbnb purposes in other markets. Um, this was during the pandemic, just to test, you know, like I bought one in Florida beach property and I bought one in Alabama lake property and they just didn't have the performance metrics that the Smoky Mountains has. So I ended up exchanging those last year and also like a long-term rental um, to buy more cabins. So I just kept building cabins, stacking cabins up. That's great. So yeah. you said, you know, you you wanted to do this for a while. You talked to a lot of people that are kind of that same mindset, but they never feel ready. You mentioned those words. I want to know, how did you get over it? Like what made you actually ready? Cause eventually you bought and now you haven't looked, you haven't stopped buying. You just keep on doing it 
right? So what made you feel ready finally? And, or, and maybe more importantly, like, what do you say to people that say that to you? It's like, oh, I'm not ready to buy or I'd like to buy, but eh, I just don't know. What's that mindset yeah. change? Well, I think a lot of people have fear of failure. That's just in our DNA, um, particularly women. Uh, you know, imposter syndrome is a real thing. We always feel like, oh, we did a deal. We got lucky. They're not all going to be that good, but they can all be that good if you do the underwriting correctly. Yeah. Um, so I coach and mentor on underwriting and on mindset, um, trying to get to like, why is there fear for investing? It could It could be something tied back that happened years ago where they had a failure and they're carrying that with them, or it could just be a lack of knowledge. Um, mm. I know for me, when I started investing, I was doing like co commercial corporate banking, large like uh, debt structure. So like the type of underwriting I would do on a deal would be way overkill for what I do for, you know, buying a cabin, right? Um, so for me, it was more about just researching and learning. I just did a lot of Google, went to google.com and just was like, how do you do this? How do you do that? What's a good price per square foot in the Smoky Mountains. I mean, that's how I discovered the Smoky Mountains because I didn't know anything about Tennessee. I just found a report that was out there about top performing markets for short-term rentals. And it, I was really into travel. I've been all over the world and I love cabins. I'm obsessed with cabins. So that's how I did it. I just taught myself and leaned on people that kind of knew the game of investing. And, you know, that's, I'm trying to be like a missing piece in the puzzle for new investors um, because I didn't really have anybody like me. I kind of just self-taught myself and said, well, this was retirement money and it wasn't really that much. I started with 60 grand. And at the time that wasn't enough to buy two properties. It's not today. And I just thought, you know, if I lose the money, then cool. You know, it wasn't that, I wasn't, it wasn't coming out of like my food budget. It was retirement. Yeah. Um, but it turned out awesome. Uh, it turned out beautifully. And I even just today was on a call with a buyer and she was like, my underwriting doesn't work. I think I have to back out of the deal. Um, it looks like I'm going to be losing money. And there was just something slightly off in her underwriting metric where she was double counting something quite large twice. And I'm like, actually, you're you have positive cash flow and here's where you misstepped with it. So I try to be that person for other investors. So they do have another set of eyes looking at stuff. And since I own all the companies involved in all the things, I'm able to lean on those companies to help get deals done faster. It's so critical. That last part that you just talked about is, is having somebody to lean on because like you said, that, that this person's looking at this deal, they're thinking they're going to lose money or you know, what happened if they would have had a deal that was going to lose money actually would have even been worse if they had a deal that was going to lose money, but they didn't catch something right and just just to have somebody point out like you did has hey no this this deal is profitable like you might want to reconsider it it's it's so easy to underwrite and yet it's so difficult because if you don't if you've never really looked at it before you don't know what you're looking at you just it's just a bunch of numbers on a spreadsheet and you're not quite sure if you've got all the expenses in the right place and the income's in the right place, and can we really do this? Can we really do that? Um, what am I missing? What am I not? Yeah, so it's so it's it's easy for somebody who's done a lot, right? And mm -hmm. it, it just comes second nature. But somebody who hasn't, they can get so confused by it. And I think there's a lot of that, that fear in the numbers. We just freeze over it and like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I can't move forward. And so just having somebody like you that's willing to go, hey, 
I'll look at it. Like this is a deal. This is not. And here's why it's so valuable. If somebody just shares their pro forma, the big bank term, if somebody shares their spreadsheet with you and is like plug in numbers, it can be quite intimidating. So I actually, actually probably by the time this airs, it'll be out, but it'll be on my YouTube channel, but I'm doing a free underwriting class particularly for short-term rentals in the Smoky Mountains, obviously, I I want you to buy from me. (laughs) Let's be honest. But I'm going to actually not use a pre-made spreadsheet. I'm going to have slides and I'm going to walk through what are the metrics we're going to look at and how are those calculated. And then I'm going to actually build one from scratch. They can do it on a napkin. I teach it to children. It's not difficult. Um, You know, with with short-term rentals, we have vacancy factor already included in occupancy. So there's a lot of those weird little metrics that are not going to be in there. It's very simplistic. But if you don't look at it, you can get into a deal and quickly lose your butt. So absolutely. (laughs) Is um, so so where where you're at in you buy cabins? Is it like a specifically a cabin, or you call anything a cabin? No. It's specifically a cabin. Um, Some of them are called cabins, but they, and they look like cabins, but they're not like log cabins. They might be wood siding. I have some like that. But But these are cabin feeling. They're not like uh, the new build, you know, drywall. Some of them are. I own one that's, it's still tongue and groove. It's heavily cabin. Cabiny. Yeah. yeah, but it's like got a fancy modern kitchen like the one I have here. Sure. But I think it, it, this is marble. I think that one has granite or whatever. And but that's okay. Still got yeah, the, it's the a cabin. cabin They're in the mountains mostly. They have mountain views right. and hot tubs and game yeah. game rooms are really popular. And I have some that have an animal head on the wall, like a hunting cabin. And yep. they're just so, fun. It's a special place. So what? Like you, you mentioned, you bought two for sixty thousand dollars back then you can't buy them now is it is it too expensive to buy and make money or can you still make money on these uh properties and specifically obviously areas you're in because every year is different but it's still profitable yeah. it is um so that i used sixty thousand, and that was the down payment for two so yeah. i was buying them for like one was 200 and one was like 300 those first two but now those same two are like 450 and 650. wow so you can still, um, if you qualify conventionally, that's the best way to do it. You're going to get the best rate and fee set up. It's a 30-year home mortgage like you would get for your residence. It's yeah. more expensive though, because it's investment, but yeah. you can still qualify for like a second home vacation loan and do 10% down. So you could buy something, you know, for half a million and just put 50 down. That's still possible. Um, and yeah, deals are still penciling out. I think what's happening right now in the market, um, we are lower as far as buyers go, but that's because people saw rates double. They saw costs double and they're like, I'm out. I'm not, I don't want to pay this because they're remembering, you know, a couple of years ago. Well, that market is gone. It's never coming back. We're not going to see some huge bubble in the Smokies. We've got a little bit of price softening happening for overzealous sellers that think they're going to get millions of dollars for something that's not worth it. We are seeing that, but you could still as long as you put in, you know, your purchase price and your actual interest rate that you're getting today and the reality of what your rent is that you can make on it, you can still find deals that work. Almost anything. And if somebody is going to come into the market and they are savvy enough to self-manage, which I don't advocate for, I'm a big proponent of get professional help to manage, but 
in theory, if you were going to self-manage and you were comfortable doing so, um, you can basically put a blindfold on and throw a dart and anything you hit is going to make money. Hmm. It's still very much that way. So there's just fear. Um, so we've seen buyers fall out because they just don't like, they don't want to pay that much. They have in their mind the old price. And then we have new buyers coming in that see an opportunity now that buyers have dropped out. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Anytime you can buy a little bit of a discount, that's going to help a lot. And, and look, if it makes sense with third party, I would always, even if you're going to manage it yourself, and that's what I tell people. It's like a single family run or a multifamily or doesn't matter what underwrite a management fee in there, underwrite the man, the managing costs, because if it doesn't work with that, you shouldn't buy it. It has to work with a manager managing it because one day you might decide you don't want a manager or maybe you suck at it. <laughs> you just like, you have to be able to hire a third party company, period. Otherwise yeah. the deal doesn't make sense. In my opinion. Well, these are, would my you agree with that or do you yes. think it's, Absolutely. Um, sometimes the numbers don't dirt, don't work with property management expenses. Um, so that's a real thing. If if my buyer, so I have a real estate team. If my buyer wants to use my property management company, then you know we're really transparent about the cost and what that's going to look like. And sometimes the numbers don't work with the property management component, but they will buy it anyway because they are have other short term rentals. They know how to do it. Whatever. But you're exactly right, because I'll tell you why. We are seeing listings come on the market now of people that thought they would self-manage and they're like doctors, lawyers, whatever. And the, the amount of time they're putting into this Airbnb prop, because they're just listing it on Airbnb. They don't know how to do all the direct yeah. booking and all that like we do. But they're like, this is way too much time commitment. I can't do this anymore. And then when they then go in and redo the underwriting, they're in the red. So then they're like forced to sell it. Yeah. And, and luckily, most of them have appreciation, so they're getting out and so walking they, away. They're but... fine still. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the, there's this misconception that you have to own and manage your own properties. Um, you don't have to manage any of your own properties. Quite frankly, you don't even have to own your own properties. But there's this misconception from a lot of high-income earners that think that that's what they have to do. So that's what they decide to do. And it's like, no, you're making really good income doing your job. Why are you doing this yeah. uh, on your well, own? For tax purposes, they're doing it to try to offset. You well, you, but you can still hire a third-party property management company. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, there's a lot of. Oh, I, there's trying to. You're you're saying they're trying Material to get the professional participation. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Talk to your CPA. I'm not yeah, a tax advisor. I get, I get that. I guess. Yeah. Uh, as long as you're. Yeah, you might be crazy, but I get that. Um, um, I don't so, manage my own because I got to five. So I well, once I got to five cabins and I was managing them myself. But this is what you're doing for, there's a difference, right? You you have now a management company, right? Right, John, because I couldn't self-manage anymore. So I hired people and created yeah. a company. Yeah, so now they you They all got... happen to be family that I hired, but- <laughs> Josh's cabins management, right? As yeah. and you, you've got a full service property management company. Yes. Yeah. So you're managing your own, but you quit your job. That's what you're doing. This is what you're focused on. It's different than if you're a doctor or a lawyer that's got one of these right. things and is like pulling their hair out because it's uh, we can't make money on this stupid thing. Yeah, um, that's a whole different. You don't want to totally different thing. So love it. Uh, let Let's talk about. Uh, you know, you jumped. You jumped in. 
uh, and just started buying. You didn't, you kind of school hard knock sounds like let's talk mm-hmm. about some mistakes that you've made. What's what's maybe one mistake that you made that you think is, you know, fairly easily avoidable for other people. I'm perfect. What are you talking about? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you've never made one. I mean, I, during the pandemic, um, prices started to quickly escalate and I had money burning a hole in my pocket, but I couldn't take down the deals I wanted. So that's when I bought in Florida. That was a mistake. I hated the quality of traveler there. They trashed the place. Mm. It was very seasonal too. Um, so as soon as I bought it, it was going into slow season. I still made money yeah, and I made a ton of money on appreciation in a very short amount of time. Um, so it wasn't like a huge mistake, but definitely like I'm writing a book right now on the passive investing and short-term rental strategy, my playbook basically. And I say in there, it's like, once you build out your team, your agent, your lender, your property manager, you start to learn the market. Why would you then pivot to another market? I think a lot of people want to hedge and diversify, but there's a lot of value in just 10 xing what you've got going. There's a ton of value in that. So that, that would be my tip on that. Like, oh, get a, get a few, get like two or three. If it's performing well and you like it, then why wouldn't you just repeat what you've done? Do you think it's better to invest in a market you want to vacation in or invest in a market that is profitable? That's a loaded question. Depends on the investor's goals. I have a lot of folks that come to me and they're like, we really love the Smokies. We just really want a, our own place there. So Sure. Like that's a great reason to buy somewhere. Um, There's a few folks that specifically coach on like getting vacation assets in different markets where you'd want to enjoy time. And that's a whole quality of life thing. I love it. Um, But I'm looking for ease of investing. I'm not looking really at the profit. I'm looking at profit, but I'm not looking at profit or vacationing personally. I'm looking at the ease of 10Xing, 100Xing, what, what have you in the market where I've built the team. That's what I look at. But sure, I mean, it just depends on the investor's goals of what they want at the end of the day, what what they hold highest in value. Got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. What's What's been um, maybe two or three keys to successfully scaling up in this business? So, you know, what, what what have you done that's really helped you um, buy all these properties and continue to be profitable with them? Partnering with the right people. Like find the who, not the how. Like you don't really know, need to know how to manage a short-term rental. You just need to know who does, for example, Josh's cabin. (laughs) Um, That's been key building out the team Um, and pivot quickly when you, you know, like you get an agent that you don't work with well, particularly if you hire an agent just because they have the listing, not a good plan. It's a better plan to get an agent. That's also an investor. They'll know the underwriting. They'll know the market. They'll understand it more. Not just we're selling you a pretty house. Yeah, that's a really um, good point. You know, we talked about the underwriter earlier. Like if you've got if you have an agent that really understands this business, they're gonna they're gonna be able to pick out to or they should be able to pick out if you got the good one that they like, look, yeah, it's in the area, but this isn't quite this isn't quite it. Like this isn't gonna mm-hmm. get as much traffic over here because of X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Maybe you wanna consider something different. Yeah. Yeah. And if they also have their own portfolio and they're investing, they may know about off-market deals. Although people come to me all the time and I'm like, I don't know. The ones that are off-market are off-market for a reason. <laughs> they're like falling apart. Yeah. Nobody's going to buy it for what they want. That's usually <laughs> the off-market that I see. But 
Uh, yeah, no, your agent will be dialed in too. They will have like, I have a slew of lenders who are friends of mine, like good friends. They also own cabins. They know, you know, they're, they're in the game too. They're all, we're all in the game and on the property management side, because, you know, mostly family is in my team and they know my properties. We're going to manage your property. Like it's one of mine. So I'm not going to sell you something that I wouldn't also buy myself. And if you still want to buy it, I'll just give you the pros and cons. And at the end of the day, it's your, it's your investing yep. journey yep. and we're here to support you, but that's definitely key. Um, what what's the hardest thing about short term rentals? Um, like what's 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 one of the things that maybe trip a lot of people up, especially people that want to manage it themselves, or maybe even in your management company? What's, what's one of the things that trips most people up? I was like the bears. The bears are a big problem. <laughs> well, maybe they not are, the bears. They are a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see. I mean, I think the biggest thing is underestimating um, that travelers are going to read stuff. They don't read anything. They're going to get there an hour before check-in and not have check-in. You know, we're driving to the area. We don't have the check-in details. Where's the hmm. property? What's the code? So you're constantly dealing with like the same questions over and over and over. And so that's when we chose to automate. This was right after I finished my master's. So we built out direct booking site automated into a property management software so that, you know, if the door code is automated with their cell phone digits and they're getting check-in instructions automated and we're sending reminders if they don't sign rental agreements, security deposits, like a lot of that goes, um, you know, if you're just buying it, you're going to self-manage it. You're going to put it on Airbnb. You're probably not going to buy all that stuff. So you're going to be doing a lot of communication. You're going to get yeah. questions like, where's the TV remote? And you're in California and you don't know it's in the couch, maybe. I'm not sure where it's yeah. at. <laughs> um, but yeah, you just, it's very much like a small hotel. You know, you, we get anywhere from seven to eight turns per month. So that's seven to eight different groups of people in yeah. each property. And they're all going to have very similar questions. They're asking things about what do we do before checkout? You know, so you got to just make sure you give very clear instructions. Um, another thing that really trips up new investors is they just want to list it fast. Like before they close, they use cell phone, grainy cell phone photos, and it just tanks them in the listing. There's a lot of argument about whether or not to list it early with gross photos, but I don't do that anymore. I've learned the lesson the hard way. Because as soon as you list, you want to have just the popping photos that's going to make people click on it, look at it, and then book it. So just take your time and make sure you set it up right before you deploy it. Um, pro professional photos in our market are expensive. Um, it's a hot market, so that could be anywhere from $500 and up. But they're going to look amazing. People are making an online shopping decision when they book your cabin. So you want to yeah. put it out there as its best self, really. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know how many times, I mean, I, I, I book a lot through, you know, Airbnb and VRBO and all those sites. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I've looked at properties and they got the crappy photos and it's like next, next, and wow. it might be a good place, right? It's probably, it's probably just as good as the place I ended up booking, but the photo looked like crap, yeah. you know, it's a grainy picture. Just, they got like two there and you're like, mm, I'm not going to yeah. book this place. I don't even know what I'm booking. It's probably a fantastic place. It might be the best place on the market, but I don't know what I'm booking. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to book it. Right. So yeah I, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that one as, as a consumer of the uh, short-term rentals. Um, Leslie, I, 
I got a, a couple last questions uh, before we wrap up. So um, what's a favorite book that you can recommend to our listeners? Oh, I'll show you my book. Well, okay. <laughs> you can show me your book, but that's, that's, uh, that's cheating. Um, so um, this is gonna... a collection. I co-authored this hospitable host too. It's on Amazon bestseller. Uh, nice. The collection of host stories. So mine's wow. talking about why to be passive in short-term rentals, obviously. Okay. So hospitable um, I'll show you host another book. Two. Yeah, hospitable host two. Okay. And then this is by Sharon Lecter, who I met recently. She rewrote Think and Grow Rich, particularly for women. It's hmm. the original by is by Napoleon Hill. Yep. Um, but this has really great information for women, but wow. similar type of similar type of book. Cool. I didn't know yeah. that existed. That's awesome. Um, what is a what is a daily or weekly habit? Sometime in, something you do in the morning, something you do in the evening, in the middle of the day. What's a habit that you really think makes you successful? Um, I think like my external brain strategy. Like I can't remember small details of things. They're gone as soon as I, I'm like, oh, I need to do that. And then five minutes later, it's gone. So I have like my calendar, my Google calendar has got obviously meetings like this in there, but then I use my other calendar on my phone to just put like to-dos for the day. So if I'm thinking of something that I need to do before I travel next weekend or whatever, I'll, I'll just dump it in there. I'm like, that's a constant thing. I think of something, I put it in. Same with groceries. Think of something, put it in. It's so obvious. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't do it. And then they're like, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take action on that. Yeah, and then it's, it. you know, as soon as you, it's gone. You're busy. Yeah. Your mind is going a hundred miles an hour and it's going in so many different directions. If you don't write it down, you lose it. I'm the, I'm the same way. I have to write things down. It drives my wife nuts if she tells me something. I don't remember it, which happens all the time, by the way, because I didn't write it down. And it's like, if I don't write it down, it's not happening. So if you don't see me writing it down, assuming I'm, I'm just going to forget about it. I'm sorry, but that's just yeah. the way it is. But putting it into the calendar. Yeah. Then you have to remember to go look at the calendar, but I'm looking, I look at the calendar yeah. as you, a to-do list. But it's a habit, right? That's a yeah. daily habit because you've made that a habit. You, you, this is what you do. A calendar has saved me so many missed appointments. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you just, you don't know where to go. So love that one. Um, all right. Last question. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Obviously real estate. Okay. That's a gimme. That's a gimme, yeah. right? That's an easy. I think um, Robert Kiyosaki has a book called The Cashflow Quadrant. Have you mm -hmm. read that? Yeah. That's another good book, by the way. So he's got four quadrants and they're like employee W2 self-employed like you've created a job for yourself and then on the other side of the quadrant you have the two that i love which are investing and then business owner so that is really like real estate business owner and then i'm not sure what the third one would be i feel like it's probably i'm gonna say i'm gonna say wealth like not money but like quality of life so I have a huge impact mission right now that is to empower 1,000 women to become millionaires through real estate investing. And it's got a lot of buckets to it as far as like mindset, empowerment, how to break through right. imposter syndrome. I'm doing a lot of projects around it. So like that brings me true wealth. So obviously real estate, owning businesses, that's income stream. And then, you know, 
the pinnacle would be like giving back. Yeah. Um, what are you doing right now to give back to, to meet that goal? Cause that's, that's an amazing goal. That's, that's really awesome. So what are you doing right now? Have you started? Oh, I'm going to hit it and then I'm going to have to add more. Okay. <laughs> um, so I just uh, moved my blog Forbes. So I am working on a piece for them right now um, that they'll publish for me. That is all about, you know, the statistics on how many women are real estate investors and how do we change it and what, why is it like that? So I'm working on a piece with them right now. And then I'm probably going to work on some sort of um, TV related thing. I have some other filming stuff coming up around it, but I'd like to have like my own show about it. It's a very lofty goal, but, and then I just, you know, coach and mentor women. You know, if I see somebody getting picked on in some, you know, avenue, I've seen some things recently in the forums on bigger pockets and, you know, people asking questions about how to change their pricing strategy, make sure they're getting what they're worth. And so I do coaching with those women one-on-one, just things around that, just to continue to lift people up. I think women. I think women have an advantage in real estate. They certainly have disadvantages, but they have, I think, an advantage in real estate. In my industry, which you know, multifamily, and and we're you know, I'm syndicating um, assets. They, in my opinion, that's a big advantage if you position yourself the right way. So it can be intimidating for sure, but I and I've I've talked with women about it. I've talked to minorities about it. And it's like, you know, you need to position your, as far as a woman, you need to position yourself as a woman, as the woman that's an expert and that can talk to other women about it. And I think there's, there's definitely an advantage if women can take advantage of that advantage. And it, it, that can, that can be difficult. And it's a definitely an industry, um, that's ran mostly by by men. There's a lot more women in it now than there probably ever has, especially since I first started. I mean, when I first started, there was, and that that was that's not that long ago. It was like 2008. There's a lot more women in in real estate in general um, mm-hmm. since 2008. But one of the things that made uh, like irritated me the most was when I was uh, one of my good friends. She she was um, buying and flipping properties and I'm listening to her talk about the prices she's getting from these contractors and the way they're talking to her. And I'm just like, it's just irritated me. So that's a big disadvantage sometimes, but I think um, there's ways to position yourself as a woman to have a lot of success and, and make it, you know, again, make it an advantage to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, Also, you know, I think there is like, in imposter syndrome, we are harder on ourselves as women. Mm-hmm. Um, and then gender bias. I mean, we don't there see is... other women doing it. So yeah. then we're, you know, why yeah. would I do it if there's no one else like me doing it? So it's yeah. more about like putting yourself out there and putting your hand up and asking for help surrounding yourself with the team, like somebody to rally around you. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, Leslie, uh, really appreciate the time. Uh, that you've been able to spend with us. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Um, 
Probably the best way is my website. It's leslieannmorris.com and that's Ann with an E. I'm also very active on Instagram and the handle is at leslie.ann.morris. Love it. Love it. Uh, any last words of wisdom you want to leave us with? Get out there and do it. Don't overanalyze every deal. Like decide what your comfort level is and then jump. Amen. Love that. Got to take action. If you want results, you have to take action. You can't get results if you don't take action. Exactly. Leslie, you have a fantastic rest of the day and I appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go up to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.